For this final podcast episode of MIDI's Innovation Vault series, the deep dive into medical accelerator and incubator labs, MIDI Medical Product Development CEO Gregory Montalbano shares his personal insight as related to what an accelerator or incubator can and should be doing for its medtech startup entrepreneurial members. Greg will also outline the five accelerator model types. He'll reveal each accelerator type's own motivations for establishing programs, investing resources and capital, as well as the different metrics medtech accelerators use for measuring a startup's success. Lastly, in this podcast, Greg will wrap up this series by providing his personal executive summary as related to critical questions, decisions, and challenges that medtech startups are confronted with during their R&D development journey and early company formation. Greg's executive summary will contain critical sound advice that will help support the medtech's entrepreneur while mitigating their risk. Summary subjects will include the startup process, funding sources, presenting to investors, factors for success, and more. So please stay tuned and enjoy. We're speaking with Gregory Montalbano, who's the co-owner and the director of MIDI Medical Product Development. Greg, can you provide for the listeners a quick background on MIDI as well as yourself? Yeah, good morning, Matt. It's great talking with you. And yes, I'd be happy to give the listeners a brief background about MIDI as well as myself. So MIDI is a turnkey medical development consulting firm that works with startups and emerging companies through to Fortune 500 organizations, working closely with them to innovate new med tech and biotech devices, digital healthcare applications, and system platforms. So MIDI works spans early research and concept definitions through to full engineering implementation and commercialization design all under our quality process of development DNA. And at MIDI, we have a multifaceted team who work together to generate innovative results within rapid timelines under stringent regulatory constraints. And our teams consist of research, design, human factors, and engineering professionals who cross-pollinate their disciplines to generate competitive differentiations for the clients we serve. So myself, I've been leading the MIDI team for over 25 years and have developed various medical device and systems involving wearables, handhelds, implantables, surgical, diagnostic, disposable, digital health, and imaging equipment. Thank you so much for that background, Greg. In this podcast series, you had the opportunity to interview the directors of various highly regarded med tech and biotech accelerators and incubators. Greg, can you give the startup listeners some insight and advice when pursuing support from an incubator or accelerator organization? Sure, Matt. Before any med tech entrepreneur begins pursuing support and engagement from an incubator or accelerator, it's important to have clarity on exactly what a particular organization's program can do for them. So let me start with a high level overview of incubators and accelerators. Incubators and accelerators have become prominent within medtech due to their obvious quick to realize value. In essence, they bring people together and give startups and emerging companies access to otherwise hard to obtain resources. In its most basic form, Incubator programs are designed to increase an early stage company's chances of success by offering mentorship, financial investment, and additional support such as office space, as well as access to technical resources, labs, et cetera. Incubator company members are typically pursuing guidance and support around maturing their business model, their technology, 
and other foundational elements of running a company. So those companies may remain in the incubator for several years, and the end goal for any incubator member is to graduate with the proper skill set to successfully run and grow their own company. Incubator structures can vary between their business models. For example, there are incubators that function similar to nonprofits, while others offer investment in exchange for partial equity uh, for their startup members. And other incubators tend to focus on startups within their own geographic region, while others focus on startups in a particular area of the medtech industry, such as digital healthcare. Interesting. So can you tell us about accelerators? Sure. So accelerators are often thought of as synonymous to incubators, but in truth, they're different and are more multifaceted. To simply put it, medtech accelerators are like a short-term intensified incubator for startups with clearly defined goals for each entrepreneurial member participating. So startups participating in MedTech accelerators should be offered direct access to mentorship, networks, one-on-one coaching, and typically, but not always, some level of funding. Participating in these short-term programs are meant to accelerate promising startups, hence the name Accelerator which the idea is to achieve growth more rapidly than they could on their own. That makes sense. Now, you mentioned earlier that incubator programs can last years. How long do accelerator programs run? Yeah, so let me start by saying that non-medtech accelerator programs can typically run three months, very short period of time. With regards to the medtech space, three months is not long enough to help a company accelerate. So this is based upon the complexity of developing devices and applications for the healthcare industry. So MedTech accelerator programs need a more appropriate timeframe, which is usually about six months. And by doing so, the accelerator entrepreneurs can develop the relationships and connections to generate appropriate medical device solutions that can better serve the medical industry needs. So an accelerator's primary purpose is to accelerate and mature its entrepreneurial companies. So is there a secondary purpose that a MedTech Accelerator can serve its member as well as the industry? Yes, Matt. Uh, Early entrepreneurs need to keep in mind that accelerators can have that dual purpose. As you stated, the first is serving the organizational method to accelerate a startup. And the secondary purpose can be to serve as a mechanism for existing medical device manufacturers and healthcare organizations who are looking to identify and evaluate innovation within their marketplace. So these established industry players are seeking to discover opportunities to develop their strategic partnerships. So in this case, the accelerator relationship becomes the deal flow mechanism for larger organizations to develop relationships with startups by identifying innovation and technology that works within their organization's medical device or digital health sales verticals. Interesting. Now, let me ask you this. If you were to prioritize an accelerator's value to the entrepreneur, would you prioritize the accelerator's ability to assist and offer funding to a startup? Or would you prioritize the mentoring and business connections within its network? 
Yeah, that's a, a good question. So some startups would prioritize funding as the success barometer of how beneficial an accelerator program could be for their company. But really, in reality, it's my belief that the number one priority for a startup who is trying to determine which accelerator program would be, be most beneficial for them should always rest on evaluating an accelerator's current network and portfolio of relationships. So any successful med tech company that has participated in transition from an accelerator will tell you the value of connections within a network is number one. And an accelerated environment that affords its early entrepreneurs the opportunity to forge these strong relationships is often just as beneficial, if not more, than simply being funded. As I listened to this series' previous interview episodes, it, it became evident to me that there are several types of accelerator models which serve different needs for startups as, as well as the industry. Can you outline for the listeners what the different accelerator types are? Sure. As I've experienced, accelerators can be diverse in their structure and serve specific startup as well as industry needs. I have researched five main accelerator category types. So each accelerator model possesses its own motivations for supporting its programs, time and capital investment, as well as have their own metrics for measuring entrepreneurial success. So the five accelerator model types that I've found are the first being independent commercial model. The second is the enterprise-based innovation model. Third is the product sector amplification model. Fourth is the economic development model. And fifth is the university affiliated program model. Excellent. So there's five main types. Are you able to give the listeners a brief description of each one? Yeah, Matt. So let's uh, start with the independent commercial model. So this type is typically owned and run by a group of shareholders, which are not tied to specific goals of any med tech organization. So it is typically governed by a CEO who sets the policy and process for selecting incoming startups. An independent commercial model accelerator can be for-profit or non-profit organization. So in general, they're receiving operating capital from sponsors, affiliates, or its management team, and also take equity in their startup members, as well as the primary means of corporate income. So under an independent commercial business model, equity may get diluted over time and also may not generate returns for years. So for that reason, independent commercial model accelerators need to ensure a constant revenue stream for long-term financial viability. They do this with methods such as revenue, which may come from conferences, consulting services, and use of physical space and or shared services. In this model, an entrepreneur's advantage for choosing an independent model is that there are no strings to any pre-existing organization. The potential downside of this model is that the accelerator organization has a strong incentive to maximize the number of sponsors, and thus the entrepreneurs may find that there are too many development and company influencers to support a productive and meaningful collaboration. So that's the first model. The second model is the enterprise-based innovation model. 
So this consists of a group of companies of which in most cases are a core part of an organization's innovation strategy. So grants or seed capital can be offered to entrepreneurs in addition to mentoring from the company's executives, the company's subject matter experts and affiliates. Additional incentives include access to equipment and other support services, including co-location worksites. Enterprise-based innovation model accelerators select only startups with devices or technology that have a strategic value to their organization. The value to the entrepreneur is the on-tap large company resources, which are really hard to beat. Another significant advantage is the opportunity to develop and validate a medical device with a market leader. This acceleration benefit cannot be ignored. Risks for the enterprise-based innovation entrepreneur can include building a medical device that serves only the specific needs of the accelerator. This can occur by having the device's end use and market applications narrowed too early. Additionally, some entrepreneurs may be required to give some equity to their corporate benefactor, which may be less desirable for future investment or acquisition by competing companies. A third model that I mentioned is the product sector amplification model, which is similar to the enterprise model. So this accelerator type serves a very specific purpose. They are formed around the enhancement of a particular medical device or application. So generally, they're intended to increase the visibility and viability of an existing device platform for a large corporate entity or encourage the development of a product ecosystem within a specific sector of healthcare. The advantages and disadvantages of a product sector amplification model program essentially are the same as the enterprise program, except are more specific and thus may have a higher business risk. The fourth model is the economic development model accelerator, which are typically funded by local government, corporations, and others interested in building medical device companies and jobs within their region. So economic development accelerator programs typically require local engagement and favor local entrepreneurs. So the purpose is to create an economic and geographic concentration area of healthcare business that targets medtech, biotech, or digital healthcare sectors. While the program content for this model may be similar to other accelerator programs, the mentors, the partners, and the entrepreneurs that populate them tend to be locally based. So the advantage to the economic business model is access to local mentors, partners, and collaborators. Typically, within economic development, these programs may offer non-diluted capital, low rent, and other perks that encourage companies to remain within the vicinity. And the fifth and last uh, model is the university-affiliated programs. So these accelerators can vary greatly from tech transfer programs to full mentoring development and funding vehicles. So basic programs have co-work locations and mentoring services drawn from the university community. The more advanced programs provide virtually all of the services that would be afforded to startups in an independent commercial program, including industry connection and capital resources. So typically, these programs do not take equity in the companies that they support, but alternatively, they can exist 
a relationship between the startup and the university tech transfer office. So this provides the university with a long-term potential source of revenue beyond royalties. Wow, I did not realize the differences between accelerator types. Thank you so much for outlining that. So Greg, let's move on to your executive summary as related to critical questions, decisions, and challenges that med tech startups are confronted with during their technology and company growth period. Sounds good, Matt. So let's start with the most elemental step, deciding whether or not to start a med tech company. Doesn't every entrepreneur want to start their own med tech company? Yes, in most cases, but it's important that every entrepreneur take a step back in the very beginning of their discovery process to evaluate the when, where, and why's as related to their time, energy, and financial investment, and most importantly, around what technology. So the decision to launch a new med tech company around any technology application should have a number of key factors that must be asked and considered by the entrepreneur. So these key considerations help focus a startup's discovery, a startup's definition, and a startup's decision-making process. What are the key considerations startups should think about? Sure. I'll share with you a proper list that I assembled of key considerations. Really, it's questions every entrepreneur needs to ask themselves and eventually answer during their startup journey. So the first question is, is the invention a disruptive technology? If not, how would it be categorized? Secondly, how soon can a commercial product come to market? They also need to ask themselves, what is the level of risk associated with this startup and the device's regulatory applications? Also, does the technology have a clear application and a definable market? Next, they need to ask, what is the intellectual property as related to their technology and device application? And also, they need to ask, what will be their role in the new company, both short and long term? Is it full-time employee, advisory board member, or executive? Also, they need to consider, what are the short and long-term goals for the company? Is it to grow and position itself for acquisition or IPO? or is it to create a modest, sustainable business? Additionally, considerations need to be focused in on capital from private investment companies and what's needed. And if so, could the entrepreneur imagine the company be sold or go public? And entrepreneurs must realize that private investors rely on these exit strategies to get a return on their investment. Also, another key consideration is, what's the current value of the company? And where is it at? Thinking about who are the customers and what do the customers care about? Also, can your company's device or technology solve an unmet need or problem and in what novel way? Considerations also focus in on how large is the market? And lastly, how much is the industry willing to pay for your solution and why? Okay. Startups starting with key considerations, what else should they be thinking about? Yeah, so startups should file a patent application on the invention before 
it comes public. So IP is a major asset of a startup company. And startups need to keep in mind that after public disclosure, obtaining a patent, particularly outside of the United States, may be prohibitive. As I mentioned before, startups need to also seek mentors, input, and network. And finding a good mentor and really working with them regularly is important. They need to network with other entrepreneurs, review ideas with potential investors, and evaluate the commercial aspects of their device or application within their potential customer pool as well. They also need to plan their business. They need to have a robust business plan. And it's okay to pivot over time, but start by developing an understanding of the market potential, the competition, and the funding needs and the path to regulatory productionization and profitability. Also, they need to focus on pursuing their funding. You have to get out there and create opportunity. Commercializing medical technology requires quite a bit of capital. Also, really start to introduce your company to venture capitalists, angel investors, and in the beginning, family and friends. Make those connections. You're going to need them. Let's break that down. Let's break that down a little bit more, talking about pursuing money. What are the different types of funding and sources of funding? Sure. Before kicking off significant fundraising, it's necessary to determine how much funding is required and from where it will come. Funding for a startup company can be from one or more sources. Uh, first source, friends and family. It may be possible to secure a small amount of funding from friends and family to launch your business while funding, other funding is sought or additional funding. You can also get funding from Small Business Innovation Research or SBIR. So you can apply for research grants and the US government provides innovation research grants to small companies, which can be great sources of initial capital. Then there's angel investors. Those are individuals or groups that invest their own money in early stage companies. And then venture capitalists and pursuing venture capital firms, ultimately who manage and invest their funds uh, for other investors. So it's an important step in the startup process when an entrepreneur presents their device or application along with their supporting research to these investors. This activity requires thorough preparation by the entrepreneur. Could you speak to how an entrepreneur should prepare and present to a potential investor? That seems like a, a super important uh, critical part of this. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So when meeting with an investor, an entrepreneur must be very clear about their device or application's purpose. So sometimes an informal exploratory meeting may work best, as long as the investor understands that this is the intent of the meeting. If the main purpose of the meeting is to request funding and the startup's presentation and teams are not properly prepared, then typically the follow-up meetings as well as funding are highly unlikely. So it's best that a startup includes the following points in their pitch meeting. So first point is what problem does the technology address? Secondly, how does the technology provide a solution? And what market is being pursued and what is the addressable market? And do not inflate your data. 
Next is what is the state of your intellectual property? Can the technology be properly protected? Who is your competition? And what is the competitive advantage and why would a customer prefer your device or solution? Next, the investors wanna know about the people. Who is the executive team and what are their roles? And they also will wanna know why should someone invest in your team? Not your technology, not your device, but your team. Additionally, they wanna know how does the business model relate to the sales strategy and pricing? And also what are the expense and revenue projections for a five-year period? They'll want you to focus on what are your short and long-term key company milestones? How much money is being requested? How long will it last? And how will the funds be spent? The startups must make their presentation interesting, engaging, and informative. So my advice is to tell a story and include examples, be memorable, be passionate, and most importantly, practice your company pitch. That is, that's a lot of valuable advice there for med tech startups and uh, a lot to think about as well in this podcast. Greg, as always, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Matt. You have been listening to the final episode of MIDI's Innovation Vault series on the deep dive into medical accelerators and incubator labs with principal of MIDI Medical Product Development, Gregory Montalbano. If you have any questions or comments on today's podcast or would like to schedule a complimentary consultation with Greg about your business, you can reach him by phone at 1-631-467-8686 or email innovation at midipd.com. That's M-I-D-I-P-D.com. If you enjoyed this podcast content, please follow MIDI on social media to download informative industry-related white papers and industry-supporting material at www.midipd.com. Mm-hmm.